Rosie has captured our hearts from the very first day that she came into this room. And that's, uh, what, two years ago? Is it two, two years? Yeah. Two years. Wow. Wow. How time flies, eh? Well, good morning to you. Beautiful morning. Lovely fall morning. What a, what a great day for Thanksgiving. Right? Thanksgiving. Wow. Uh, Ruth played a song this morning, introduced us to a song. He knows my name. Could you put the words up for that? That's the first time we have sung it. How long ago did you become acquainted with this, Ruth? Oh, probably Quite some time? Four or five years ago. Really? Mm-hmm. Four or five years. I have a maker. He formed my heart. Before even time began, my life was in his hand. He knows my name. He knows my every thought. He sees each tear that falls and hears me when I call. I have a father, he calls me his own. He'll never leave me, no matter where I go. He knows my name, he knows my every thought, he sees each tear that falls, and hears me when I call. That's probably enough, Pat, thank you. I was listening to that, of course, when you were playing it from the front, and and I thought how appropriate it would have been if we could have uh, sung that for Diane. Wouldn't that have been when we had the service at your home? And our emphasis uh, about him knowing us and knowing us by name. My, what an appropriate song. But in any event, we'll keep that in mind for because that's a beautiful song. Thank you for bringing it to us this morning. Well, this is Thanksgiving, as we mentioned, Thanksgiving. My dad used to say every day is Thanksgiving. Uh, he was thankful every day. And we are as well. But this is a special day of Thanksgiving that we have. And I thought perhaps this morning I might just maybe just share a little bit with you together. We could just talk a little bit together this morning. You know, this morning we, I've been casting about, I mentioned to Pat some time ago, I read a book a few years ago that someone sent me. And I, I forget the name or the uh, title of the book right now. But... In this, uh, in this book, the phrase was used, and he cast about in his mind. And I thought how graphic that is. He cast about in his mind. And you picture an angler, a fisherman, casting. And so the idea was that he cast about in his mind as he was thinking. I thought how, how great that is. I, I love that expression. So as I was casting about in my mind... Um, what occurred to me was that it would be good for us just to talk together a little bit, share a little bit together on this Thanksgiving day, and um, maybe say some things to each other that we believe would be from the Lord, and that He is pleased with, and that He wants. Uh, There's so many different things we can do when we come together, in terms of our study, but I believe today what would be most pleasing to the Lord would be to say some things that are very basic and fundamental to the Christian life, just so basic and fundamental. It's easy to lose the fundamentals in anything. You know, the basic fundamentals, it's easy to lose them. One of the things that we, I believe would be good for us to do this morning is to to, uh, desire the best for each other, like to want the best for each other. Uh, we really do not know what that is. The Lord knows what it is. Sometimes we know what it is for ourselves. We think we do. But 
to live in a way that's pleasing to the Lord. And how do we do that? How do we live in a way that's pleasing to the Lord? The Christian life is a fellowship. It's basically, fundamentally, a fellowship and a communion. And I thought I might read a couple of verses from 1 John this morning as we begin. Let me just read these two verses from 1 John and think of it perhaps with me a little bit differently from the way we normally do. Let me start at chapter 3 and verse 1. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us, that we should be called the children of God. Therefore the world does not know us, because it did not know Him. Beloved, now we are the children of God, and yet it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. But we know that when He is revealed, that is Messiah Jesus, when He is revealed, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. And everyone who has this hope in Him, everyone who has this hope in Him, purifies himself just as he is pure. So we have always thought of that, and I believe it's correct to say that when the Lord Messiah is revealed in his second coming, and we see him as he really is, that scripture, scripture says we will be like him, when we see him as he really is, we will be like him, when there is that uh, ultimate revelation of Messiah to us. But the way I was considering it as I read it most recently, was that there is a degree of truth in this in terms of to be like Jesus requires a revelation of him, to be like him. Like in the relationship, the fellowship with Jesus, as we get to know him, the more we get to, more, to know him, the more we become like him. It's just like in the world. People who are in the world, worldly people, they begin to act in certain ways. And you'll see certain kinds of behaviors will sweep across the planet. You ever notice that? Expressions will sweep across the planet. Behaviors, lifestyles will catch on and they'll just sweep like a wildfire across the globe. And people will begin to do things and act in certain ways in all parts of the various continents of the world. And you say, what is it? Well, it's the spiritual dynamic that causes that. And it is the spirit of the world, the spirit of the age. Well, what happens when a person becomes comes into a right relationship with Jesus and comes to know him and where he is progressively revealed to us, as he is progressively revealed to us, we become progressively or more and more like him. The more revelation we have of Messiah, the more we will be like him. Ultimately, on that great time, a great day, time of his appearing in Second Advent, we will be like him in more ways than we can imagine. But the truth of that is here now. So in other words, what does your life need? What do you need in your life? Let's just ask some questions to ourselves. Let's ask some questions to ourselves. How are our relationships? The most important relationships we have in this world. How are they? In what condition are they? What is our relationship with our spouse? Is it a relationship that is pleasing to the Lord? Husbands, do you love your wife as Jesus loves the church? Wives, do you respect your husband 
and defer to him, and reverence him, do you recognize his spiritual authority in the home? Fathers, do you love your children and do you raise them with tenderness and discipline them with tenderness and love? And are you kind and gentle with your wife? Are you? Are you rough? Is your spirit tender towards her? Do you treat her the way the Lord treats his people? With love and kindness and generosity and tenderness? Well, that's what you're called to do. And that's what we are called to do. That's what I am called to do. But you see, I have found that I cannot do these things that I am required to do just by wanting to and just by trying to. I can't do them. I can admire them from a distance. But to live in them and walk in them consistently and when the testing comes, right? It's easy to do well when there's no test. What do we do when the testing comes? Well, the, the fundamental of the gospel is that it is through grace that we are delivered. Through grace we are saved. That means, basically, it is the communion and fellowship of the Spirit and Word of God with us that permits us to become, basically, a new person, a new creation, and to do these things that God requires of us to do them because we want to and have a motivation from within to do them, a deep desire to do them. That's what we desire to do. But this all comes from our relationship with Christ, the fellowship we have with Him. And so when John writes, Now we are the children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when He is revealed when he is revealed to us. You know, sometimes when you take your Bible and you get by yourself and you open the pages and you read it, just read it slowly. Read it and pray and ask, Lord, I don't know exactly how to understand all this, but would you show me? Would you uh, communicate and commune with me fellowship with me. I know that you lived for me and died for me. I know that you love me. I don't sometimes feel your presence. In fact, I don't even know exactly what it means to have the fellowship with you. I don't know that I've ever had that. Well, ask him to draw near to you. The scripture says he's no respecter of persons. That means he does not love some people and dislike other people. There is no one in the world that he loves more than he loves you. Now, he may approve of the behavior of other people more than he approves of yours or mine, but he loves you as much as he loves any other person. And the scripture tells us uh, continuously that he desires to be in fellowship and communion with us. It tells us that we are not our own. It tells us that we do not belong to ourselves. It tells us that we have been purchased by him and that he knows us by name as we have read the song this morning. He knows us by name. So why then do we not just come before him and just say, Lord Jesus, I need to have a revelation of you to me so that I might be more like you. I can't be more like you just by trying to be and just by wanting to be. I know it is by rubbing shoulders with you spiritually, right? Being in your company 
that I will be like you. You ever find in, when you're working out with a group, maybe talk to men for a minute. When you're working out with a group of men and there's somebody in that company of men that has a real good personality and you find that as you work with that particular individual more and more, you tend to become more and more like that person in your work habits and in your attitude on the job and things like that. You tend to resemble that person more and more and more, especially if they have leadership qualities, right? It happens like that all the time. That's why people who are responsible for men in work place certain individuals together to work together and not others to work together. So they group people together knowing that this person will bring out the best in these other people. How does that happen? It happens by fellowship. It happens by relationship. Well, that's true in every part of life, and we know it's true in every part of life. But especially is this true with the greatest personality of all time that's ever been. That is Jesus, the Messiah. Not just religion, a real person. Wants to fellowship with us and wants to commune and reveal himself to us so that we can become more and more like him. Then as we become more and more like him, you know what happens? Then we become husbands, begin to love their wives in the way that Jesus loves the church. Then wives begin to relate to their husbands in the way the Bible prescribes. Right? You do it naturally. It comes with natural. Then it comes a time when the correcting of the children is required and there's a tenderness with which it is done. But if we do these things just out of our own personality without that communion and fellowship with the Lord, we'll be in error most of the time. These are basic things of the Christian life. And I feel... Uh, compelled to share this morning that Jesus, the Lord, our Lord Jesus, is about to do a new thing in the world, and we are on the precipice of some of the most important period of time there has ever been, and it is essential for us to become ready for what is ahead. And this readiness for what is ahead requires us a revelation of Messiah so that we can become more and more like him more and more like him. Now there's another passage of scripture I'd like to share this morning. And this is basically in Ephesians chapter 1. And you might like to join me. Ephesians chapter 1. Let me read this. And this has to do with thanksgiving. And it's entitled Thanksgiving and Prayer. Thanksgiving and Prayer. This is written by the Apostle Paul as we know. We also know that the Apostle Paul as he wrote these epistles or these letters was motivated by the Spirit of God in his, as he wrote. And that he was so led and directed by the Spirit of the Lord as he wrote that this actually becomes to us the Word of God, not just the Word of the Apostle. This is amazing. This is the same way in which the Old Testament Scriptures were written. As men were moved upon by the Spirit of God to write in a way that was basically the heart and mind of God being revealed and made manifest, so it could be called the Word of God. And so this letter then is more than just simply a letter written to a church in Ephesus by a man named Paul, but this becomes greater than that. This becomes the Word of God to the church age. This becomes the Word of God to us this morning and to you this morning. And he knows you by name, right? He knows you by name. It's wonderful. Wonderful the provision he has made. 
you know, if there needs to be changes in our lives, there's a couple of ways that changes can happen. You ever find when someone comes to comes along and says, you know, you need to change in this area in your life. We usually dig our heels in, right? We dig our heels in and are reluctant to accept that. And who do you think you are to tell me and holier than thou and all this kind of thing. But when the Spirit of the Lord comes to us, when we fellowship with Jesus and he draws near, we see ourselves more and more in the way that he sees us, and we see those things within ourselves that are unacceptable to him. We just see them. They're just, it's like looking in a mirror. We see those things. In his presence, we see those things. And we also see his great love for us, but we also see those things within ourselves that uh, must change. They must change. And if we would persist in saying that Jesus is my Lord, by the way, this is another thought that comes to me. Never be ashamed of Jesus. Never be ashamed of Messiah Jesus, wherever you go in this world. He said that we should be in the world, right? He said we should be in the world, but we should not be of the world. So I will not say this morning, and I cannot say this morning, you shouldn't go here, you shouldn't go there, you shouldn't go to this other place. I would say this this morning, wherever you find yourself in this world, Don't be ashamed of Jesus. And say right out, He is my Savior and He is my Lord. Why do you live? People will say, why do you live this way? Why do you do this and why do you not do these other things? Simply say, I do not do these things. If the Lord shows you there are certain things that you have done in the past that He does not want you to do, then you have to stop doing those things, right? Make those changes. And so inevitably you will come and rub shoulders in, your, in society, whether it's at work or wherever it might be, where people will say, well, why do you not do such and such? You say, I have given my life to the Lordship of Jesus. He's my Savior, and He's my Lord and Master. He's my brother. And His purpose for my life does not involve this, this, and this. So I don't do those things because of my relationship with him. He's my Lord. Why not say that right out front? Say that right out front. People struggle with friends, and this particular friend, is this a good influence on my life? This person, is they, are they a good influence or not? And who, who should I have for my friends? Let your friends choose you. But you choose Messiah Jesus as your Savior and as your Lord, Right? And don't be ashamed of him, no matter where you are, university, work, wherever it might be. And when people ask you, don't go out there and just throw your, don't throw your religion at people. Don't throw religion at people. Don't try to make people feel uncomfortable around you. Don't do any of those things. But be who you are in Christ Jesus without any embarrassment. He said, if you deny me before men, I'll deny you before my Father in heaven. If you confess me before men, I'll confess you before my Father in heaven. And so if you go out into the world in the highways and byways and somebody says, why do you not do this? You say, because of my relationship with Jesus and he's my Lord and Savior. Right? That's the truth. You've just confessed him before men. He is confessing you before God the Father in heaven. Now let people react to that. 
you'll find that you will not fall into bad company when you go forth into the world like that. The people who are, the people who are warm to that and the people the Spirit of God may be dealing with will tend then to gravitate toward you. And the people who are opposed to the Spirit of God and the Spirit of truth will tend to move away from you. Let it be whatever it might be. Let the people choose you. But you choose Messiah Jesus. It's wonderful. It's wonderful. Well, Ephesians chapter 1. Did I say Ephesians chapter (laughs) 1? Verse 15. The Apostle writes, For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. Now here's the Apostle, and as he prays, he's praying for the Lord's people. He's praying for them by name. He's giving thanks for them, and he's mentioning them in his prayers. And he said, he continues and says, For I always pray to the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, that he may grant you, that he may grant you a spirit of wisdom and revelation. And the Amplified Bible says, of insight into mysteries and secrets in the deep and intimate knowledge of him. And basically he's writing here what we've just been saying. I pray that you would come to know him. I pray that there would be a tremendous revelation of Messiah to you in your spirit, that you would come to a knowledge of him. That's what he's praying for. And when he prayed for them, because he was anointed of the Spirit of God, he also this prayer is also for us. This prayer is for you. Now he enlarges in verse 18, he enlarges on this and talks to us about how this actually happens within us. And this is a revelation of Messiah, and I read from 1 John, that as we, he is revealed to us, we become like him because we see him as he is. So now he says in verse 18, by having the eyes of your heart, what's the eyes of your heart? Obviously he's not talking about the heart that pumps blood. It doesn't have eyes, right? He's talking about your spirit, the core of your personality and your being. Your spirit has eyes. So your body, you have eyes, we have ears, senses, and the spirit has senses as well. And the spirit has ears, and the spirit has eyes, and the spirit has perception. And he's praying that the eyes of your spirit would be flooded with light so that you can know and understand the hope to which he has called you And how rich is his glorious inheritance in the saints. And he continues and says, And so that you can know and understand what is the immeasurable and unlimited and surpassing greatness of his power in and for us who believe. Now how powerful is this? How great is this power of Messiah in the believer? And he continues and describes and uses the comparison. And this is what he says as demonstrated in the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his own right hand in the heavenly places. And he's talking about the resurrection of Messiah and the ascension of Messiah, miraculous, absolutely marvelous power of God manifested and demonstrated and saying that this is the power of God that will be manifested in your life as you come to know him in this way. 
and have this revelation of him. Now in verse 21, he talks about the authority of Messiah Jesus and the elevation of Messiah as he is raised from the dead and as he ascends to the Father. And he describes in verse 21, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion. That's above the dominion of Canada. It's above the federal government of the United States. It's above the highest government of any nation in the world. It's above all the powers and authority of all the governments in the world together, United Nations, whatever league you have. His authority far exceeds all of that. And he says it is above every name that is named. And it is above every title that can be conferred, president, prime minister, queen, king. His authority is above every title that can be conferred. Conferred. Why would you not want to have fellowship with him? Since he so desires to have fellowship with you. And commune with you. And walk with you. It's marvelous. It's marvelous beyond words. How would it be possible for any human being to ever be ashamed of this person? Only a person who is so deceived that they're not able to think right. It's impossible to ever feel embarrassed to say the name of Jesus. Why would anybody ever be embarrassed or ashamed of the name of Jesus considering his name is the highest authority in the entire universe of all created beings, angelic beings, human beings, all governments of every kind, every principality and power. So he condescends and desires to commune and fellowship with us. And we need to open our mouths to him and say, come and fellowship with me. Set apart time. Go to a place that you have set apart. Quiet place. Take your Bible and open it. Begin to read a little bit. Ask him to come and teach you about what this means as you read. And you'll find that day by day, the revelation of Jesus to you will become, will grow and become clearer and clearer. And that's a revelation of him. And guess what happens? You will become more and more like him as he reveals himself to you. And the change in you will be from the inside out. And you will not be trying to do things that are right but unable to. You will find yourself doing progressively more and more those things that please him because he is revealing himself to you as he is. That's exactly what it is. And that's his idea and that's his offer to you and to me. And we would be the largest fool that ever walked the face of the earth not to embrace that promise. It would make no sense not to embrace that promise. Don't be ashamed of him. You don't have to push religion in anybody's face, but people will ask you all kinds of questions all the time. They will ask you to do things with them. They will ask you to participate in certain activities or go to certain places that your relationship with Messiah says, no, no, not there, not there, don't do that. And they'll say, why? And you might stumble around trying to give some answer because you're ashamed to say it's only because, you know, we don't realize the importance of this communion and this fellowship. 
So he says, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and every name that is named, above every title that can be conferred, not only in this age and in this world. What if I were to say to you that the Prime Minister of Canada, the Prime Minister of Canada, I think he's a nice young man. I, you know, I may not agree with his philosophy of life and and things of that nature, and I may not, and I do not in some areas, but I think he's a nice young man. I, I mean, I, I think he is. I think he, I think he's trying to do his best. I really do. But his, his name is Justin Trudeau, right? So if I were to say to you that he's coming to our, you know, to our house this afternoon, and he's coming over for supper tonight, Pat's got a good roast on, and and he called me the other day and said, uh, hey, Dave, I was thinking about coming up your way and uh, wondered if I might stop in on Thanksgiving Sunday and just, you know, share a little. I said, well, while you're, while you're there, why don't you just stay and have supper with us, right? Supposing that were to, it didn't happen, but supposing it did. And I came this morning and said this to you and you agreed and you believed and said, what would your reaction be? Just what would your reaction be? Would you be surprised? Would you think, Wow. Would you think the Prime Minister of Canada is coming to Dave and Pat's place for supper on Thanksgiving? Would, would the news people, would anybody be interested in this? Would the people who publish the island clippings, would they want to insert this in their publication? Would the Sioux Today and the Sioux Star and all these people, would they like to know that? Yeah, I think they probably would. But people would think that was a big deal. But the one whose preeminence and whose title surpasses by light years anything called the Prime Minister of Canada, not only is he going to come to our place for supper tonight, but he's going to be with us right now. He's with us right now, and he'll be with us when you have your lunch. And when you ask the Lord to bless the food before you eat it, he's the one that you're speaking to. And we would be ashamed to give our lives to him or reluctant to give our lives to him and to trust ourselves to him, even though we know that the more he reveals himself to us, the more we will be like him? Why would we not want to be like him, even in degrees? You see, this is the offer. This is the provision. This is what we are so thankful for on Thanksgiving Sunday. This is what the Apostle Paul is praying that we would have by experience. Isn't it wonderful? It's wonderful. It's wonderful. And then as we become more and more like him, his revelation to us increases by degree as he reveals himself by degree. Then his authority by degree is more and more manifested in our circumstances and in our lives. And you're dealing with an impossible situation in your workplace or wherever it might be. And he says, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll assist you with that. I'll, I'll work with you on that. I'll show you what to say and what to do. And as you say this, and as you take this course of action, then you will see my authority manifested in that circumstance. That's exactly the way it works. And what authority is that? That's the authority that raised Messiah Jesus from the dead and elevated him to the right hand of God the Father. This is the same authority that accomplished that, that will accomplish this in your life. This is what he offers. This is what he gives. 
Isn't it wonderful? It's just absolutely marvelous. Why would we not be thankful for this? Let me read the last couple of verses now. It says, And he has put all things under his feet. This is God the Father has put all things under his feet. What is, is something that you walk on? Something that's under your feet? Something that's under your feet is something that is under your authority, right? You walk on something, you take authority over it. And the scripture tells us that God the Father has placed all things under the feet of Messiah Jesus, under his authority, and has appointed him the universal and supreme head of the church. This is a headship exercised throughout the church, the supreme head of the church, and that means he is the head of the church or the assembly of believers, both those who have already died and gone to be with him and those of us who still inhabit this planet. He is the universal head over all of the church. The universal church. He's put all things under his feet. And he says the headship exercised throughout the church, which is his body. And it is the fullness of him who fills all in all. Listen to these words from the Amplified. I'm going to close with these words. For in that body lives the full measure of him who makes everything complete and who fills everything everywhere with himself. That is a tremendous, tremendous promise. This Thanksgiving Sunday, I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for those truths. And my desire is to walk in the fullness of the revelation of those truths. And my desire for you is that you would be able to walk in the fullness of this revelation of those truths for yourself in your life and in your circumstances and situations in every one of them. Knowing that to be like Jesus in any given circumstance requires a revelation of him to us. And as we see him, we become more and more like him.